Come on, let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you, God, for the word. We thank you for truth that we find in you. Holy Spirit, we welcome you here to speak to our hearts today. We glorify you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Everybody agree. Seb? Amen. Amen. Luke chapter 15, Jesus is telling three stories. And the thing we need to understand about when Jesus is telling stories is we have to understand that we have to put ourselves into these stories. So often we read the word of God and we think that that is somebody else's story. We think that is for someone else. We sit in church and we go, man, that was a really great message today, but that was for, you know, that was for Adam. You know, every Sunday we're like, you know, it's, everything's for Adam. You know, Adam has to get saved every Sunday, you know. We're just believing for his salvation. One of these Sundays, Adam, it's going to happen. One of them, yeah, we're believing. But when we put ourselves into the story, we see ourselves. And that's what the Word of God does. The Word of God is like a mirror. And it helps us to see into the depths of our soul. And so Jesus, in Luke chapter 15, shares three stories. He starts off telling the story about a shepherd that leaves 99 sheep and runs after one. One disobedient sheep. He leaves 99 obedient sheep to run after one who has gone off on his own. I don't know if you've ever felt like that, but I know I have. God has a plan for my life, and I just go, ah, you know, ah, you know. And I just, that was terrible, wasn't it? It was, just, it was just bad. I'm sorry. I'm not a good sheep noise person. We just kind of go off on our own. We go, I know, God, you got a really great plan, but I'm going to kind of go take my own route, my own direction. And then Jesus tells a story about a woman that has 10 coins, and then she loses one coin. And in the middle of the story, Jesus is talking about how she's flipping things and she's probably breaking things and she's destroying the home, searching for this one lost coin. And then Jesus tells a story about this man and we can look at it as a man. We can look at it as a young man or we can look at it as a man or a woman. It doesn't matter. Sometimes we have to be you know, wise enough to go. This isn't just for males. This is God speaking to both male and female. He's talking about man and how a man wanders off on his loan. Jesus is seeking out lost, broken people with lost, broken situations. Jesus is telling us, I'm really interested in you. You. Why does he keep emphasizing one? He wants you to understand that he would have gave his life just for you. That you are one of one. Your DNA. And God loves you intimately. And he desperately wants to be close to you. God is so interested in you. Each story gets more ridiculous after the next. 
I mean, we leave 99. I mean, this makes no sense. This is a bad business deal. Who would ever say, yes, let's forsake 99 good to go after one bad? Who says, hey, we're going to destroy our home, and then once we find the one lost coin, we're going to throw a party. We're going to invite all of our friends, and we're going to have a party for this. We're going to spend more money on the things we broke and the party we throw than what it costs to find the one lost coin. And then Jesus starts talking about us. Us, people. And the Bible, this is the Bible. This is Jesus. He is doing, asking, saying, wanting crazy things all the time. I think so many times we're in the presence of God and God speaks to us or the word speaks to us and we think, God, that's just crazy. Don't you see all the debt I'm in? How could I ever, how could I ever tithe? How could I ever be faithful? God, can't you see that I'm so busy? How could I ever do this? God, I'm so frustrated in my marriage. How could I love? God asks us to do crazy things. And yet, God goes, no, this all makes perfect sense. All of it makes perfect sense. Because I want to show you my goodness. But isn't this the real question of our soul? Isn't it always the question of our soul? Is God good? Does he love me like these stories? Remember, we got to put ourselves in the story because I think so often we think, yeah, I know somebody that experienced God's grace like that, right? We can always think about somebody else that was, you know, addicted or living in gross sin or was very far away from the Lord. And we go, you know, I, I remember when that person found Jesus. And yeah, I, I, these stories, that was for that person. But I don't really know if God loves me like that. I don't really know if I believe that. This is Genesis chapter 3. This is the lie. This is Eve asking, is God really this good? Is he going to hold back from me? Can I really trust God with my whole heart? I mean your whole heart. I'm not talking about like the place where we're like, God, here's like 90% of my heart, but there's this one room and there's some things in this room and I don't want you to see these things. I don't want you to go in that room. There's a lot of us, we're so, we're so hiding like Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve hid from the Lord because there was a part of them that go, I don't want you to see me right now in this state. I don't want you to know me in this state. And God the Father wants to know us. But we're asking this question in our souls. I know that he loves me, but... But I still feel, maybe, I, I just don't know, does he really approve of me? Does he approve of who I am? Does he like me? Does he like my personality? Does he like how I look? Does he like who I am? Is he really, does his approval really rain down upon me? This is the question in our souls. How do I know this? Because I'm a pastor. And I've been a pastor for 17 years. And I'm still asking these questions. I'm still wrestling. I'm still fighting. 
I'm still in moments far away from any of you asking God, God, do you really love me like that? Are you proud of me? How do you see me, God? Because I don't see myself like this. And maybe I'm the only one in the room. And if, if it is that way, then I'm having a great day for me because I'll just preach myself happy then today, okay? <laughs> you know? But I think there's a lot of us, if we really pulled back the curtain of our soul, this question all, all of us are dealing with. Luke chapter 15, verse 11. We're going to read a lot of verses. We're going to have it on the screen for you, so just bear with me for a second. Then Jesus says, Once there was a father with two sons. The youngest son came to the father and said, Father, don't you think it's time to give me my share of the estate that belongs to me? So the father went ahead and distributed among the two sons their inheritance. Shortly afterwards, the son packed up all of his belongings, traveled off to see the world. He journeyed to a far off land where he soon wasted all that he had been given in reckless living. With everything spent and nothing left, he grew hungry for there was a severe famine in the land. So he begged the farmer in the country to hire him. The farmer hired him and sent him out to feed the pigs. Verse 16. The son was so famished he was willing to even eat the slop that was given to the pigs. And if you look at theologists, theologists tells us that, that the slop was so so terrible and nasty that if a human being even tried to eat the slop, that he couldn't even digest the food. He would probably throw it up. Verse 17, humiliated, the son finally realized what he was doing. And he thought, there are many workers at my father's house who have all the food they want and plenty to share. They lack nothing. Why am I here, hungry, feeding these pigs, eating their slop? I want to go back to my father's house. I'll say to my father, I was wrong and I sinned against you. I'll never be worthy. There's the line. There's the line in our souls. I'll never be worthy. Be worthy of being a son of the Most High. Look at my life, look at my sin, look at my mistakes, look at my attitudes. Look, God, I'll never be worthy to be called your son. Please, Father, just treat me like one of your employees. Verse 20, so the young son sent off for home from a long distance away. The father saw him dressed as a beggar and had great compassion swelled up in his heart for his son who was returning home. So the father raced out to meet him. He swept him up in his arms. He hugged him dearly, kissed him over and over with tender love. And then said, then the son said to the father, I was wrong. I sinned against you. I could never deserve to be called your son. Just let me be. And then the father interrupts him. He says, son, son. Remember when Jesus said, daughter? He's saying, son, daughter. 
your home now. Verse 22, turning to the servants, the father said, quick, bring the best robe, my very own robe, and I will place it on his shoulders. Bring a ring, the seal of sonship, and I will put it on his finger. Bring the best shoes. Let us prepare a great feast and celebration. For this beloved son of mine was once dead, but now he's alive again. He was once lost, but now he is found. And everyone celebrated overflowing with joy. There's so much in this story. And that's why we're going to take a couple of weeks to really kind of work through the story because there's so many layers and aspects. And today we're going to look at a very small aspect, but I believe it's a very profound aspect. At the very beginning of the story, the story starts, it says, once there was a father. Once there was a father. And the moment that I say father is the moment that your heart wells up with so many different thoughts about your own father. Some of you have thoughts that were good about your father. Some of you think, man, my dad was so good. He was so faithful. He was so consistent. He was so loving. He was so kind. Some of you have okay thoughts about your father. You're like, some days were good, some days were bad. I didn't really know what was it we were going to get. You know, I didn't really know what I was going to come home to. Some of you just have terrible thoughts about your earthly father. Some of us are dealing with feeling like we disappointed our father or the disapproval of our father. Or some of us are still trying to earn approval from our earthly father's. Some of us have this thought that, you know, I know he loved me. He just didn't say it a lot. I know that was my story. Some of us have the thought, my dad, he tried hard. He tried hard. So many of us, so many emotions just rush our hearts when we hear the word father. Let me show you a picture. This is a picture of my earthly father. He left when I was three. I've never talked to him a day of my life. A couple years ago, some of you that have been around for a while know that the Lord challenged me to write a letter to him, forgive him. And I did. I had no response. I can't tell you how many times in the presence of the Lord I've chosen to forgive him and to move on with my life. But somewhere deep in my soul, I hate seeing this picture. I despise somewhere deep inside of me that I came from this man. I don't know how to explain it. I don't know how to take you and, and have you feel that way. And some of you have gone through divorce and some of you have had fathers who've walked away and some of you understand what I'm feeling and some of you don't. 
but it's a, it's a crazy feeling for me to think, how did he, because this is a picture of not my mom, this is a picture of the woman that he left my mom for and had an affair with her and had another child with her and married her and had six other children. And I think to myself, how did you look at me? How did you see me as a three-year-old and go, I want nothing to do with you? Is it raw? Yeah, it's raw. But I think all of us have raw spots in our hearts from our fathers. Moments that we go, how did you do that? How did you say that? How could that have happened? See, he violated me. He violated the picture that I had of a father. Let me take that down. My whole life, I loved shows like The Cosby Show. And I know that we all have thoughts of Bill Cosby, and I, and I totally get that, but I love The Cosby Show. I mean... I, it was just, it was great entertainment, you know? I mean, Theo was my man. I mean, Theo was just, he was an idiot, and I was an idiot, and I just, you know, I loved Theo. and I love shows like Home Improvement. I love, I've, I've seen every episode of Home Improvement. I've seen every episode of The Cosby Show. I've seen every episode of The Brady Bunch. Any Brady Bunch fans in the house? I mean, I, I was just like... You know, Jess will make fun of me someday, sometimes, because I'll be having like a moment with the boys and she'll go, settle down, Mike Brady, just chill out, you know, just settle down a little bit. And I love these shows growing up. Why did I love these shows? Because somewhere inside of me, I thought, I want to know what a good father looks like. I want to know what a father looks like. I want to know what a father looks like that stays with his wife who fights through the hard times. I want to know what a father looks like that is there for his sons and his daughters and is there to love them and go through the ups and the downs of life. Somewhere inside of me, my soul was searching and craving, where is a father? What does it look like? See, our fathers sometimes have no understanding of who they are. And when they don't understand who they are, how can they help us understand who we are? Yet they're in the position to give us identity. Sometimes our fathers don't care about our love languages. They're just tough and they're hard and they're rough with us. They don't care about our emotional well-being sometimes. Sometimes they're just repeating what they saw in their life. It's just generational. It's just generational things like generational curses of lust and insecurity and lack. You can look at, at, at generations that grew up poor and it goes from one generation to another generation to another generation. You can look at families that deal with insecurity or lust or gossip, all these things. that just goes generation to generation. They're just repeating what they saw. But the problem is, in life, we still have got to adapt to life, right? Regardless if our father is good or not good, we still have to deal with these things in our soul. And we then come up with this perceived picture of, well, my father was like this, so this has got to be what God the Father is like. 
Unbeknownst to you, you do this. You view God the Father through your personal interactions with the Father, or maybe it was a male figure, somebody who deceived you. Maybe it was somebody who did something wrong to you, but you, do, you see God the Father this way. I fight so hard for God's approval. I mean, I work so tirelessly to make sure that God is happy with me. Why? Because somewhere in my soul, I'm thinking, if my dad left and wanted nothing to do with me, then maybe God will do the same someday. I know he loves me, but man, I just, I, I hope I can be good enough. I hope I can do enough. I hope I can stay in his grace. I hope that I can be the son that he wants me to be so that God the Father, God, please don't leave me. And you think that I should be over this, and maybe I should. Maybe I should be past this, but these are real, raw things that I'm sharing today. Questions in my own soul. See, I was violated. My security was violated at a young age and very quickly because my dad wasn't there and nobody was there to financially provide for me the way that a father should. I had to start working and hustling and scrapping and I thought everything in this life I'm going to earn. God doesn't want me to earn everything. Gosh, God doesn't want you to earn everything. You think in life I gotta fight and I gotta scrap and I gotta do whatever I have to do to get to the top. And God the Father's going, No, you don't. No, you don't. I just need you to trust me. So what do we do? What do we do when our dads are just repeating? Because the reality was this: my dad was just repeating all the crap that he dealt with in his life growing up. It was just generational. What do we do when our picture of God the Father is distorted? Because when our picture of God the Father is distorted, we have a really hard time accepting that we're sons and daughters. And we're constantly wondering, am I good enough? So Jesus, in Luke 15, says, you know what? I'll share a story a few stories about my dad, about your heavenly father. And they are going to be crazy stories. And they're not going to make sense. And in our earthly mind, in our earthly logic, we will try and we will wrestle with these stories to figure out is this me or is this not me? Is this somebody else? But Jesus goes, my father's your father. He knows you intimately. He designed you. He made you. He shaped you. He knows what you like and what you dislike. He knows every inch of your body, every inch of your soul. He knows you. And I want you to see the picture of my dad because my dad's your dad. And all of a sudden, 
We see a father who runs. Runs when we make mistakes. Runs when we have failed. We see a father who leaves 99. We see a father who searches. He's searching the house. He's searching the earth. And he's going, I got to find my sons and my daughters. They're missing. And the truth is, see, this is what's interesting about this story, is we all think about the son and we think about someone who is far away from Jesus today. No, the story was about a son. It was about God the Father and us as sons and daughters with him, but yet inside of that relationship, we still walk away from him. He says, I'll go find you. I'll search you out. I know your name. I'll find you. We see a father who accepts us back. We see a father that doesn't rub our nose in our mistakes. We see a father who makes us the head and not the tail, even when it's our fault. How many times in this life are the troubles of life? They have nothing to do with God. They have everything to do with us. They have everything to do with the darkness in our heart, the pain in our heart, the, the disappointment in our heart. Everything is about us sometimes, and we go out, and we mess it all up. And yet Jesus goes, I'm a good father, and my father, God the Father, is a good father, and he'll come right in the middle of your dysfunction. He'll meet you there. And he still, in that moment, wants you to be free and to have victory. This pot I have on the stage today, it's kind of like us, right? But the problem is, it's really us, right? Pieces, broken. All these little, tiny pieces. And God the Father, he goes, every piece. It's so valuable to me. Every, every, every tiny, minute piece. This is why he says he searches the house. The lost coin, he's going, I will search out every crevice, every corner of your heart, of your existence. I will find every piece of the puzzle of who you are and what does God the Father want to do? What was the story with the woman that had the issue? It was God the Father going, I want to give you identity. I want you to know without a shadow of a doubt that you are a son, you are a daughter, and I love you. You are welcome at my house. No matter what you do, no matter the mistakes, the failures, no matter how you turn your back on me, 
no matter how you walk away and you have your own plan and your own you know, reasons, it doesn't matter. I will come and find you. And when I find you, I will take all these pieces and I'll bring you back together and I'll make you whole. I'll make you whole again if you'll let me. This is what God the Father is saying. All I need is permission. Those spots in your heart that you go, you know what? I've locked that away for a long, long time. Just let me in. Just let me in. Worship team, you guys can come up. I'll never forget, um, we were... We were about a month away from starting the church. There's these moments in my walk with the Lord that I can feel God like kind of like digging into me. I don't know if you've ever felt that way before. We can just sense that like God is trying to get your attention. Like God is like, there's some things that I want to put my finger on. And I'll never forget, I was driving. We were having church in my house. Nick knows, he, would, he was there. Steve, you were there. You remember that? It's a good times, weren't they? We were just having church at my house, just in my living room. And I was actually going to buy communion stuff. I remember the Lord said, I want to talk to you about your, your grandfather. Because my, my dad left, my grandfather stepped up. But my grandfather got cancer and he died on my 11th birthday. And when that happened, it was like I stuck that in a closet and I locked the door. And I said, no. That was too traumatic. I already lost my dad. I shouldn't have lost my grandfather. At that time, I'm 35, and I'm driving, I'm driving, and the Lord starts putting his finger on that. And he goes, I want you to open that door. And I'm driving, and I'm just like, just sobbing. And I'm like swerving all over the road. And the Lord goes, let me in. Let me in. Let me in. And I pulled off into this neighborhood, and I don't know how many hours I was there, but it was just like the full presence of God was just there in the car and it was like I wasn't even there it was like I was in heaven and he was like I remember he said this to me he said he wanted to come home 
And I didn't want to believe that. I didn't want to believe that my grandpa wanted to go home to see Jesus. I wanted to believe that he wanted to be with me. And Jesus said, no, he wanted to come home. He wanted to be with me. He said, there's nothing like me, Jeff. There's nothing like my presence. There's nothing that will satisfy you. And he wanted to come home. And he said, I need you to let go of that. I need you to let go of that, Jeff. I need you to be okay with that. I need you to be okay that it's better to be with me than to be on the earth. And I just, just broke. I just broke. I just broke. And then when I broke and I let go of that, when I let go of that broken piece, it was like God's love just, just flowed like I had never felt before in my life. It was just so deep, so deep. Every year on my birthday, you could ask Jess, it was the worst day of my life. It was just so hard revisiting that moment. But it was like once that moment that God came in and dealt with that broken peace, the next year, I remember I woke up that morning and I had so much joy in my heart. And I could just sense that my grandpa was in heaven. And I was so happy for him. I was just so happy. You know, that's a piece. When I wrote that letter to my dad, listen, I know that I have messed up feelings for him still, but I'm still believing. I'm still praying for his salvation. I'm still believing that someday I'll see him in heaven and the grace of God will abound to him and the grace of God will abound to me. And even though that things might not have been restored here on earth, they will be restored in heaven. That is my promise. And so I'm holding on and I'm praying for his salvation. I'm forgiving him every day of my life and I'm walking walking to allow the Lord to continue to heal my soul. Why you stand up this morning? Why you close your eyes with me this morning? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise you, God. Worship you. every eye closed if you're here today you go I need God to reshape my view of him as a father raise your hand real high real high real high real high don't be embarrassed on my hands up hallelujah 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 how many of you in here say I still deal with guilt and shame I'm so fighting so fighting to get past guilt and shame
whatever needs to be switched. Come on, just start verbalizing it to the Lord. Open up that heart. Open up the closet. says I'll heal any brokenness some of you feel guilt and shame I can feel it in here from a divorce the Lord says give me that brokenness give me that pain give me that pain give me your loneliness give me your fear Let me father you. Let me father you. 